by popular demand and under a time crunch. Whew. Eric Levin, Model Match, Dustin Owen, The Loan Officer Podcast. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you were tuned in to The Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and him, Eric Levin. All right, Eric, thank you so much. We just crushed a whole entire episode great. on the R word. The R word. But not the R word. Not the R word. Yep, but we were business developing. We were talking about how to get out there and build relationships. We should have changed we, shirts so it looks like we're. You well, know. I took my jacket off. Oh, you did. Yeah, I if took my I can't take off. my shirt yeah. off, that would be inappropriate. Well, for your audience, maybe. You never know. Okay. You never know. But no, here's what I wanted to do because you and I, I mean, we have a friendship, we have a working relationship. We could have done a Rogan esque three hour, and maybe one day we will. Maybe next year uh, when you're back in town, we can do it. But there's like 1,700 rabbit holes that you and I could have gone down. <laughs> And we went down a couple of them. In a matter of three minutes, maybe. Uh, yes. You know, and then uh, JC was like uh, throwing wads of paper at us right. underneath the he table. Yeah, the water pistol the out, and we were getting yeah. shot in the side of the head. Yeah. Um, but let's go ahead and just do one of the quickest episodes ever. I have a question. Can we start off with my question? Yes. What is, I'm going to say it wrong, what is 75 hard or 45? Is that like an apple cider thing you're drinking, or what is that? I've heard you mention this from time to time. Are you, is, I didn't, you're serious about this. Um, you're, you're not pulling my leg. You're not I mean, I kind of know what it is, but I'm trying to be funny, which that wasn't funny. But the, the, I kind of know what it is, but I don't know what it is. And I know 70, whatever it is, it's working for you. Yeah, 75 Hard is um, it's a it's, it's a program. It's a lifestyle change. It's basically um, tune into the MFCEO project. Um, it was an episode that dropped March of 2019. And uh, Andy, who is uh, the host and the founder of the MFCEO project podcast, uh, talks about 75 hard for 75 consecutive days. And by the way, this just made Good Morning America, and I just posted this on my Facebook. So if you're asking me and and you know about it, I guess thank you. If you're asking me and you didn't know that that was my post today, on my personal page too, I don't even know if we're personal Facebook friends or not, but check this out. For 75 consecutive days, you have to take a picture of yourself. That's easy. Read. The, is it, can I ask a question? Yes. Are you supposed to be wearing something specific when you take a picture? Whatever floats your boat, I take my shirt off. So it's a progress picture. Do you wear the same a, pants every day and same yeah, socks? Yeah, no, no. But I uh, stood on the same bathroom mat in front of the same mirror. Okay. And I try to take the same picture. Same time of day. Is the lighting the same? No, it's in my bathroom. There's no windows. In you your can do yours however you want. However you want to do it. <laughs> if you want to bring JC in with his professional equipment and have him take a shot and are you put doing? Makeup you're, on, you're, I, it's you, a progress. Do you have picture. the light above you so that the it's, it's a like fluorescent you're light. shredded and you look just like no. the movies, right? I tell no. my son who's big into movies it's all lighting and angles those guys possibly don't look like that possibly anyway i'm sorry go ahead so you're in your bathroom shirtless taking pictures yourself yep that's on. once a day every single day i take mine uh after my morning workout so the hard parts you have to work out twice a day every day okay does the workout have to be a certain length yep. of time 45 okay. minutes minimum yeah. sorry you go can go over and one of them has to be outside like it can be walking your neighborhood. You could drag your elliptical machine. Welcome to Orlando, ladies and gentlemen, where it's 72 and sunny. No, uh, Andy's out of Missouri. He actually tells a story. No, but you're not. Yeah, I'm not. But that okay. <laughs> Have you ever run five miles in 93 degree weather and 100 percent humidity? I can't remember the last time I ran five miles. Okay, so it's disgusting and it's not fun. <laughs> um, so you work out twice a day every single day. You drink a gallon of water every single day. You read 10 pages. Read, not listen. You read 10 pages, and the book that you that you read has to be nonfiction. It's a self-help business I like that. Type, okay. type book. Um, or it could be history. It doesn't have to be self-help, right? Could it? Sure. If you want to read Hamilton because you just watched the play and you're all into it, and now you're going to tackle that 700-page behemoth. But I could read, like, Gladwell or something. Sure. Okay. 
Go for it. Go ahead. Uh, Thomas Paine, if you're into that, cool. We'll read about economics. Yeah. Um, gosh, I hope Thomas Paine is a famous economist. Just at him when you post this. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I think he's dead. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, well, We the, could at Malcolm Gladwell, though. Okay. The last one was uh, follow a healthy diet. And you get to pick what your healthy diet is. It just has to be healthy. Oh, and your healthy diet has to include no alcohol. So I could eat moon pies and... Is that healthy? Come on. Healthy well, diet. It's relative. Healthy you diet. You don't know what I was eating before moon pies. Okay. Well, then, yeah. I guess if you're eating moon pies, but you're not eating two bags of chips and you're not sucking down a whole bottle of Hershey's syrup, sure. But for most of us, we do things like cut out all sweets. We cut out the alcohol. Um, we eat lots of vegetables, lots of fruit, lots of fresh meats. Um, try to stay away from processed food. And do you do this? Do you get a crew that's all pushing each other or you just do it on your own? I, I did it because uh, one of my best friends, Joey Sullivan, uh, did it first. He told me about it. Then he did it. Then I talked to him about it. I'm like, okay, I got to do this too. Mm -hmm. I did it. And um, what's really cool about the whole entire thing is that it's a transformation mentally. Oh, yeah. You're, it always is. And it, emotionally. Probably. Emotionally. Right. It, look, physically, yes. Physically, right. you also transform. That's the purpose of the progress pick. But I tell everyone the progress pick is to physically, you can see your, your transformation. Which is but, motivational because you can see it. But just understand that everything you see in those pictures, the before and after, I got twice as much internally. Of course. You know, I mean, just I'm a better person. I'm a happier person. I'm a more educated person because I actually read something. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so that's 75 hard. Got it. Look it up. I mean, if it's are you doing trending. it right now? It's trending it, right now. No, I'm off right now. You're off of it now. Yeah, it's something that at this point I've done it twice. I'll probably do it once a year. Um, it's a lot, but it's a great reboot. It's a great reset, uh, both mentally and physically. What else do you do? So that's one thing you do. What else do you do outside of your business life that gives you motivation and you think makes you better at what you do for money? Um, and by the way, the way I said that was somewhat condescending, but you know what I mean. Like what you do in your, in your professional life, your day job, well, like, what are some things you do outside of that well, to like give you juice for the day? -day? Most, most people know me, um, as you know, a loan officer, as a mortgage, a mortgage person, right? That's been my, my calling for the past 16 years, but I love business. I love anything that, that, uh, can, can make money, honestly. Mm -hmm. So, um, I have a real estate investment business that I'm a partner of. Um, I have a group, uh, here in Orlando that we do venture capital, uh, investing. So oh, we, right we invest seed money into, uh, typically tech startups, mm -hmm. but, uh, technology companies that are, that are looking for capital in order to take their awesome idea and, and blow it up. At least where our hope is that they blow it up. Uh, sometimes you swing and miss. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do that. Um, but you know, besides my kids and my wife and working out twice a day, it doesn't leave a whole lot of time. Oh, and I'm adamant. I get eight hours sleep every night. So what Every time night. do you go to sleep? 10.30. 10, hopefully. Because if I do 10.30, I don't get eight hours because I wake up at 6. So I try to be in bed at 10 so I can be up at 6. And do you are you just naturally a good sleeper? I must be, yeah. I My, my head hits the bed and I So you don't asleep. have the CBD gummies sitting next to the bed. You don't need them. I mean, I would eat some gummies if you had some, but not to go to sleep. No. <laughs> so you're taking more than the sleep prescribed number of gummies if you're going to have. 10 milligrams is my preference, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, uh, I, I, I <laughs> some people are totally getting this and other people are like, what is he talking, what are we talking about? about? Um, but no, it's, um, and, and that wasn't always though. Like, that's what's so cool. That wasn't always. I think I'm more impressed by your ability to get eight hours of sleep consistently than almost anything else. Yeah, I you, think you, it's paramount I think, to someone's success. 
Well, it, it, I mean, no, well, you know what? To my success. It, it, that's right. It's relative. To, that's, to, it's your yeah. success. Yeah. But I, generally people that have brains that move like yours, I don't think generally they sleep eight straight hours. Not the people I know. Maybe because they're crack addicts. And right. I'm just I'm just the non-crackhead. I, I might operate like one and think like one, but I'm not one. <laughs> Speaking of, well, not that. Have I ever told you the one time that I was a teenager in Daytona Beach on vacation and some guy approached my buddy and I and tried to sell us crack? And you said no. I, of course I said no. Good yeah, I listened to Nancy Reagan. I mean, crack yeah. is wax. Say no to drugs. That this is your out. brain. This is your brain on drugs. I am a product of the 80s and 90s. So I was properly educated. But how crazy it is it? Like, like um, I, I've seen crack. You're like, I, I didn't grow up in a neighborhood where that was prevalent. Like, I don't hang out in social yeah. circles where, where you know, now I know people who, who, who have and, and do, not that do crack, but have grown up in, in situations where. Whatever topic this is, we're way off of it. We are way off of it. Yeah. So let's just go ahead and pivot right now. Let's get <laughs> off of crack cocaine in 1995. Hey, and how about Dave that monolith Beach? that disappeared in Utah? It was there and then it's not there. My son's all into that. My 15 year old. He is. I bet if JC had a microphone, he could talk about it right now. Yeah, but you won't give him a mic. You no. stole his mic. I suggested the mic. You. Oh, I stole his mic. You stole okay, his I mic. See. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Ask me. Um, everything you should have learned in high school but didn't. So you have two boys, right? 20 and 17, Abe and Tate. One, one is in college. Their mom one, is one Nikki. Is, She's <laughs> the best. One is college bound as she sits six feet behind him off camera. Uh, holding a knife, so you better be nice. <laughs> um, but no, growing up, uh, what were some things that you wish were taught to you oh, man. that weren't? So you made sure with Abe and Tate that they learned those lessons early on. Well, the first one would have been say no to the crack. I mean, I, I'm oh. just kidding. Th that was a joke, Abe and Tate. Um, oh, say yes to crack, Abe and Tate. That's no, what no, Dad no. just said. There is no crack. <laughs> the the. There's probably, this is a long list, I'm sure. So some of the ones that come to mind first, first, first of all, ask more questions. Okay. Like, did you not ask enough questions when you were younger? No. Or were you afraid to? I don't, I don't. So what was interesting was playing sports. I was never afraid to make mistakes because I knew that that's how you learn. Like you need to try something or else you're never going to get better at it. But in the classroom, I, I didn't. I felt like if I didn't know something it was because I must have not been listening or I'm not smart enough. Okay. And I think I didn't understand the relationship that should be there when it's healthy between a teacher and a student. It, why did the teacher go through the, the, the trouble of getting their degree? They actually do want to teach you something. So from time to time, you might want to ask them a question, even if it's outside of school hours. And I think that then relates to something that I, I don't have a single individual, and I wish I would have thought about this more, is to have a mentor, mm -hmm. to, to have someone that you can – always go to for someone other than your father, yeah, by yes, the way. I mean, someone other than mom and dad. That, exactly. Um, so I think it would be things like ask more questions, find a mentor. Um, the other one that comes to mind is that we don't teach fiscal responsibility in school. No. Did you teach it in your household? A little bit. Like Better I, than your parents taught you. Well, my parents didn't talk about money, period. Okay. They, that was not something that was discussed in, in our house. In, in my house, we talk about it, but I could do a much better job. We don't sit down and we talk about budgeting and we talk about being responsible and the worth of things. And, and it's interesting how you're and, and you know this, that, you know, your kids are, are just because they came from mom and dad doesn't mean they're the same. Like I can think of a, of a story from being at the Lego store when the kids were little and Abe, who's my oldest, let's say that he was 12 or something at the time, maybe younger, 10. He we gave them both $50. OK, you can have whatever you want in the store. 
So Abe comes to me with something that was like 37 bucks. And he said, Dad, how, how much is this? And I said, it's $37. He said, so that would leave me 13. I said, well, you got to pay tax. So it's going to be a little bit less than that. And he stressed about it and he put it back and he's doing the math. Then Tate comes up, three-ish years younger. And he, and, it, and he said, Dad, how much is this? And he's holding this big box. And I said, well, that's $49.99. And before I could explain tax, he said, sold. And he's walking up to the counter, right? People view and what they emotionally how they're attached to money is, is, is kind of different, right, from person to person. But we, but we have to teach basis, basics of fiscal responsibility. You know, I think about someone that I had on, on my podcast, the Walk podcast, and, and Brock Long, who's the former FEMA administrator under Trump, and he, he's been out of that role for a little while. But when he talks about um, em, emergency preparedness, which is what FEMA guys do, right, the first thing he wants to talk about is fiscal responsibility, that the best way to be prepared for anything is to put yourself in a position to not have to rely on the government. Now, that doesn't mean that, that people, when they're in need, shouldn't have some sort of backstop. But it's but just that. It's a backstop. It's a backstop, and there's too many people that could be in a better position that just chose not to be because they're lazy or because they weren't educated. They never had that coach, that mentor, that teacher. And then the people that really need it don't always get it, or they don't get it as quickly. So anyway, going, going back, I, I think I... I I, I wish somebody would have sat down and talked to me a little bit more about fiscal responsibility, not because I ever messed it up. I'm pretty good at that, but I think it's something that's missing. Yeah, something I struggle with as a parent, um, and I, I mean, my poor kids, they, I, I mean, I, I'm never off. I remember her name is Sue Patella. She runs uh, one of our branches in, in the state of Florida, and she's a lover. Love, love, love Sue. I call her Mama Sue. I call her Aunt Sue. Um, but she asked me once, she goes, I wonder what it's like to be your kids. And I was like, oh, crap, where's she going with this one? And she's like, well, you're just never off. And I'm like, oh, you're right. I am never off. I, and I never want to be off, but that could maybe wear on them from time to time. We're like, dad, just take a chill because I'm constantly trying to find a lesson to teach. And it's because it wasn't taught because right. I found later in life, I, I uh, um, yearned for so much knowledge when it came to finances and personal finance. And by the way, I can't say it wasn't taught. My parents led by example. Right. right. I got to live in a in a very blue collar, middle class, you know, maybe maybe lower middle class, but middle class um, household. And we always had food on the table and we always had um, clothes and, and we never had bill collectors calling the, the, the house or, or eviction notices like we were very fortunate. So I can't knock my parents say they didn't teach it because they did. Right. But they taught it by doing like they just they led by example. And it wasn't it wasn't a whole lot of oh let me teach you this lesson or let me let me talk to you about if we were more fortunate financially what we could be doing with that money here's how you leverage here's how you scale this is what ROI means et cetera et cetera where my kids get that but now I'm at a point as they get older and yours are, are like you're like a whole four years older right so so Kendall's thirteen and uh, you said Tate's seventeen uh, or Tate's seventeen Abe's yeah. uh, twenty yep yeah. yep and then, and my son is fifteen or sixteen okay. yeah, so yeah. like we're literally just four years yeah you're track. So I'm at a point now, it's like, do you tell your kids how much money you do or do not make? Do you tell your kids how much you do and do not have for so many different reasons? And I ask you, but I actually ask myself because I struggle with it and I haven't. Um, but I do do things. I'm going to tell you what I do and I'm going to ask you what, what you do. I do do things of, of saying things like, well, that, the median household income mm -hmm. to, in, in Orlando is, is $55,000 a year. However, in our neighborhood, with its gate, 
in order to live in this neighborhood, you must have a household income of at a minimum double. Right. And by the way, Jackson and Kendall, if the if the minimum uh, the median household income in our neighborhood is double the median of Orlando, which means it's one hundred and ten thousand, those people still are probably on the low end of of everyone else. Right. So I haven't gone as far. I just I feel like I owe it to them to know. That's, this is not normal. So what this you're is, talking to them about, though, is the value of things. Because it is, it is math. It is a formula, right? If you're going to spend this much money, well, then how does that relate to everything else? And I think we try to do the generally the, the, the same thing. I mean, and it can get a little uncomfortable, I guess. And I'm no expert, so let, let's not go too deep on this. But I do think that that's something that a lot of times we don't do at all. And leading by example can sometimes be a really bad thing also. You see mom and dad doing certain things and you really don't know what the money situation is. You're like, well, I should have a Porsche also, or yeah. I should be a country club member also, or I should fly first class or, or whatever. Do you drive a Porsche? I drive a 2008 Ford F-150 with a whole bunch of miles and scratches on it. Nice. And I, and I love the truck and it's not going anywhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Ford guy. Um, I'm looking at maybe the Raptor. Maybe. Hey, the mortgage industry has been good this year. Um, Treat yourself, Justin, and, Dustin, and get the Raptor. I, I don't have a Raptor. I've thought about the Raptor. I've got some friends that have Raptors. Um, yeah. Well, well Mike Smalley, my business partner here at Waterstone, bought a Raptor. I'm like, it's. it was like when my cousin named her son Dylan. I'm like, WTF? I was going to name my kid Dylan. <laughs> now I can't because you did it. I was going to buy a Raptor. I've wanted a Raptor for five years. And Smalley goes out and buys one. I'm like... Can we have two Raptors in the Waterstone parking lot? You, I don't know. You get the Raptor. When I get stuck in the mud, you can pull me out. Hey, there's one more thing that I thought of, and I know we're, we're tight for time, but um, the you were asking me what I didn't learn in high school. You know, go, along with asking questions and having a mentor is not being afraid to do something that you're not good at or that you wouldn't look good doing the first time. And here's here's an example. So be okay. To, uh, be okay with sucking. Be okay sucking. Coleman, I think I've heard it said, like, don't be afraid of the L's, right? Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid of the losses. That's the only way you get to the W's. And th that one, and I think I'm relatively good at that. I think as you get older, you settle into the things that you're comfortable with. But when I, w I had Impa Kasanganai, the UFC fighter, on the podcast, and the kid's super good looking. He's cut out of stone. Um, he got a UFC contract. And, but he, I asked him, how did you get into fighting? And the answer was he was, he was playing college football and he thought that MMA type stuff was cool and I want to try it. So he found whatever gym was in town and Hickory, North Carolina is, you know, 40,000 or so populated. It's not a very big town. And this is a, I know this gym, it's a hole in the wall. There's nothing pretty about it. He walks in and he said, I want to learn how to do that. And for the next several months, he was getting his butt handed to, hit to him by unathletic looking guys that were 200 pounds, well, not 200 pounds, 100 pounds less than him. Yeah. And, and you think that takes a special person to walk in there knowing that on the football field, I'm the, the man. man. Yeah. Around the college campus, I'm the man. I look good. I'm an athlete. I'm a player. I'm a baller. But I'm going to go in here and do this thing that's incredibly uncomfortable. And now look at him. Now look at what he's doing. And I, and I thought to myself, I don't care how old you are or what you do. That's a very special trait to have and to nurture. And so I don't know how you do that in high school. I'm sure there's ways to do it. I think it goes back to the mentors that tell you, go do that thing. And you're going to be terrible at it, but there's going to be a lesson behind it. And, and anyway, that, that, that episode was one he, he, I didn't, I was, I wanted him on just because I wanted him on. Yeah. Yeah. But I, a, I learned that, that, that wow factor, that cool. Oh, uh, he was the cool yeah. factor. And the, the, 
but I learned a lot from that story that I, I continue to think about. So that's one that stands out as well. Yeah, no, I love the mentor thing. Um, absolutely do it. In fact, I, I love it so much that I became a mentor out at uh, my alma mater, UCF. Uh-huh. And um, I just, I love doing it and, and I love almost paying it forward for, for those students. And I think it's the best advice that anyone could get. Like you mentioned earlier, people, um, you're talking about the having the FEMA, the ex-FEMA director yeah. on, on, on mm-hmm. your show, The Walk. And uh, they were talking about fiscal responsibility. Man, we made a comment like, oh, you know, maybe someone's just too lazy to do it. And I don't know if people are lazy. I think people are, are hopeless. Um, and I think sometimes they're just uneducated, meaning they haven't been exposed to it, right? They, they lived in a, in, a, in a bubble. We all live in our own bubbles, by the way. Uh, but, but their bubble is one in which they've only lived in one bubble. Like I've maybe lived in 17 bubbles. Yeah. So the bubble I'm in today is nothing like the bubble I was in 10 years ago. And they just, if they had a mentor, if they had someone to just educate them, to, to let them know, no, this can be done. No, others do do this. Then all of a sudden they wouldn't be hopeless. So then it goes back to this thing we were talking about in, in the last episode that you and I shot, which is the process, right? And that's what a mentor gives you, right? Mm-hmm. Is they give you a process. So I, I'll, I'll give you hopeless, but maybe where my head is, is that you skip need and you go straight to want. Oh, well, once first needs, that's a major topic in my household. So you, and it should be when kids are growing up, right? And that's a really important thing. Well, do you want that or do you need that? And if you want it, you, a lot of times the answer is you can't have it right now, but a mentor will, I'll show you how you can go mm-hmm. get that, which is what you were talking about. Like the value of things, your, the neighborhood that you live in, um, I think that's the gap is that the want muscle is stronger than the need muscle and you skip that step. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's, um, uh, I was with a group of guys. Uh, it's so interesting. Um, yesterday, we, we uh, went out after work for drinks. Um, we were talking about venture capital mm-hmm. uh, and we made this investment into a tech startup six years ago and, and the company was just um, acquired, which by the way, when you're an investor in a company like that, that's what you're oh, looking for. Sure. for. Right. And uh, I was talking with, with one of the guys who, who invested big and invested heavy. And uh, so he just got a pretty large paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a paycheck, just a, a, a check. Right. <laughs> and anyhow, I, I said to him, I, What I, is a paycheck? It's a different kind of paycheck. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Uh, he got his ROI, his right. return on investment. Yep. Uh, anyhow, he goes, You know, it's so interesting. Just five years ago, six years ago, when I invested this money, when I invested this money, and I dreamt about uh, the company growing and being acquired. I thought, oh, well, when this happens, I'm on the first flight to Vegas. I'm buying this boat. I'm going to buy my wife this tennis bracelet. And he goes, <laughs> you know, fortunately for him, the past five or six years, he also was growing and building his own business mm-hmm. that he saw his income double over those five or six years. And he goes, now that I have money, what I realized is that all of those decisions when I didn't have money were bad decisions. Yeah. Meaning I can afford to do all of that. I could afford and he could afford to do it before this investment paid out. Right. And he, he said, so I'm so fortunate that I'm getting this investment returned today and not five years ago, because five years ago I would have made all the dumb decisions like buy the boat, the tennis bracelet, fly to Vegas, where today is like, no, I'm just gonna give it to my advisor and he or she's gonna put it into the market. And right. Um, well, the money wasn't handed to him though. He had to work. He was working while the money was building and, and working itself. And so eventually you come out on the other side and there's the value of the effort. And then you, again, it goes back to the value of things, right? Probably. 
Um, Just because you can, you don't. No, you know, and I was thinking also, and I think you guys talked about this on another episode about having a like a, a psychologist on staff, which is a big goal of mine. Like I would love to have an organizational, um, you know, psychologist on staff so that I could always go to them and say, you know, why is this happening, or why does the person see the things this way, or why do I see things a particular way? Um, and so much of this is psychological. So we can either hire the psychologist or go do ayahuasca or something and figure out. <laughs> I would, if, if you and I were business partners, if you and I, I did, did you business see together, JC was shaking his head? Well, I, uh, um, I think I missed that. Last he wasn't part. shaking it. This no, way. he was, he was all into it. If you and I were, were business partners, we would have, I would spend the money to go on, get that person, to go get that person. Just because I love what it does for me personally. Right. And the changes I've been able to make in my life by sitting down with someone who has studied mental health and can coach me and mentor me and be a, a unobjective third party right. to tell me when I'm full of shit, to pick me up when I'm having a bad day, whatever the case may be. Um, it's almost sad in our society that, that we don't have that afforded to us the way we do some of our other preventative care, right? Like my wife can go in annually or uh, uh, twice a year and get a mammogram, right? Cause she needs to make sure that sure. the boobies are good. There's no <laughs> cancer growing in there. Um, but like we should be able to, and I wish our, our, and maybe they do. And I just don't know this. Our insurance providers allow us to, to meet. I, I get to go to the dentist twice a year. Right. My insurance affords me to go to the dentist twice a year at a minimum. Could I go see a, a, a oh mental health gosh. expert no, no twice kidding. a year? Yeah just to let me know that I am abnormally normal. Did That's you, what they're going to do. I'm abnormal. I'm, I am as normal as normal comes, yeah. but I'm also me. Stop being a baby. You're totally fine. Did, did you ever, did you watch the show Billion? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I need Wendy Rhodes in my office. Yes. Wendy's pretty hot too. I need Wendy Rhodes. Which, that wouldn't work in this office because <laughs> our wives have a, have an agreement that, uh, yeah. Well, we, 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 we fair, wouldn't my, get sign off on that. To be fair, my wife kills Wendy Rhodes in that department. However, the, I need when it, Wendy Rhodes could be Joe Smith. I just okay. need that type of person to yes. smack me in the mouth when I need to get smacked in the mouth or yes. to help me understand how, okay, so go backwards five minutes in this conversation. It's a mentor. That's who it is mm -hmm. because that's what you do yes. for whoever is you're mentoring through UCF. And especially for the ones that after you coach them a little bit, they actually send you a text message with a question. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting that that's all a coach is, is a mentor. Right, Absolutely. That, your parents are mentors in terms of getting you to a certain stage in life. I have found until about age 15, maybe 16. After that, uh, you know, strings start getting cut, whether we're cutting them or our kids are cutting them. They're getting cut. Yeah. But in, in sports, whether you're just training for a triathlon, I need a swim coach. What's a, what's a, a coach? It's a mentor. Someone who knows how to swim better than me, yeah. who can watch me and coach me. In business, I've had several business coaches. Mm -hmm whether they were bosses or whether they were people I saw outside of, of, of my work element. Um, if I wanted to eat healthier, what would I do? I'd consult a dietitian right. or a nutritionist. Well, yeah, my mental psyche. Yeah. I, I need a coach. I need a mentor. Yeah. We need mentors. It's the, it's that muscle of being confident to ask questions and through those questions, you'll figure out who are the people that should be your mentors as it relates to certain things. So this is like way too much fun. Like I'm looking at my watch and uh, I, I'm so, f I'm just waiting for you to tell me to shut up. Well, 
I would never take a shut up. Honestly, here's where I'm going. I'm like, how about you just quit your job and I quit my job? And we oh, just, just go do this. What's that? As you as Nikki, this? as Nikki sits uh, uh, outside of the camera angle, she's giving me the evil eye right now. So yeah, we're just gonna do this. Now she just wants to know where are your sponsors. As long as we have the sponsorship cash well, coming in, then, then know, we can it, pull that. It off. took Rogan about a decade before Spotify paid him uh, his nine or ten or twelve digits, whatever he got paid. You could offer me a lot less than that to come do some of this with you. Wouldn't this be fun if oh we could just gosh, do this like fun. on a daily basis and just make our whole like getting uh um guests on and shooting for the stars and and then ma making you know putting coleman in a position to take the 20 minutes mic. worth of trash and grabbing the 90 seconds that actually creates value yeah. for somebody yeah well f first we need to work on getting coleman a mic so that he can join oh, us please. next time we next do this. time i'm here well please. let me ask this w will you come back to orlando and do this again i will come back but i i, I want to ask something if you get him a mic and he ends up coming in with your guests i want to be that first guest Done. This Deal. is my idea. Deal. Okay. Deal. We have, we we will not steal your idea. You can, well, and Nikki can come. You can come back with me, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We can have Nikki on camera too. Yeah. I've got she, to watch her nod the whole she, time. As she cut her eyes at you. I don't know what that noise great. was. I just heard in the background, but that sounded slightly negative. Okay. That was like, <laughs> hey, I'm good. Like we're all good. Look, you're good. I'm good. We're out of time. We're like way over time. But I love thank it. you no, for thank you. for, for I mean literally squeezing in the second episode. Um, it would make fantastic content. I wish we could go on and on because I bet the more we talked, the more nuggets we would find, and I think the audience would 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 be, find them useful. Oh yeah. And hopefully we can make some people laugh and at the same time maybe annoy a couple people. It's the smart stuff in in, in between the aliens, the monoliths, the ayahuascas, the whatever. The we didn't long even snapping. Get into aliens. Or long snapping. Well, but when I'm JC off, has I'm a, off to long snapping. When yes, JC, I'm going. I know. We, you, and you got to go because you got to be with your son. But when, when JC gets that mic, I know we're talking aliens and monoliths. That's All right. Aliens, monoliths. He's Eric. I'm Dio. This is the Loan Officer Podcast. That's all we have for this bonus episode. Thanks for tuning in. Look, guys, share the show. Like us. Comment. Facebook. YouTube. Instagram. At the Loan Officer Podcast. If you ever need to get a hold of me, call me. 407 645 6363. If you want to ever talk to this dude, last name is L E V I N. First name is Eric. That's Eric with a C, not Eric with a K. He's on LinkedIn. He's on Google. His company's Model Match. Thanks again, but we're out.